You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Um, It's Max here. Before I dive into telling you about the show and sponsors and our special guests and and all that with the energy that I I love to bring y'all, I wanted to take a moment to send our thoughts and prayers out to the family of Gino Hayes. If you don't know the name, although most of you probably do, he was a Florida State linebacker about 12, 14 years ago, and he just tragically passed away from, I believe it was liver-related, at the age of 33. Um, it's really heartbreaking. I mean, not much older than myself and probably, you know, younger than a lot of you. So it's, it's a sad day and sad time in the Seminole nation. We hate to see one of our own go ever, but especially at that age. So just want to take a moment, be silent and send our thoughts and prayers that way. Oh man, that's tough. Well, folks, uh, welcome to Locked on Seminoles brought to you by rockauto.com. Great selection of any car part you could possibly need. Go to rockauto.com, tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host, Max, and in a couple moments, I'm going to be joined by my best friend and a guy that I wish was one of my best friends. It's going to be the first episode in our newest series called The State of the FS Union. I know it's a little corny, but Drake came up with the name, so if you hate it, hit him on Twitter. What we do is we're going to sit down with other journalists and other personalities in the FSU beat and the FSU Twitter sphere and get their take on the current state of the FSU football program. Our first guest is none other than Mr. Trey Rowland. If you don't know who he is, well, you're going to because he's a big, infectious personality. And if you do know who he is, well, we got two days back-to-back great content coming for you. He's hilarious. He's like if Tucker Max went to Florida State instead of Duke. I love the guy. So without further ado, let's head on over to Drake, myself, and Mr. Trey Rowland. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome to the first edition of Locked On Seminoles State of the FS Union with our very special guest, Trey Rowland. Trey, how are we doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Uh, honored. Glad to be back. Honored to be the first member of the FS State of the Union. Very clever name, by the way. And I hope uh, you're starting off with me, so I hope the whole series doesn't tank. Um, I'll try to do my best to hold up my end of the bargain. Oh, man, we started with the best. And what the FS state of the FS union is, is we're basically just going to look at where we are right now after year one of Mike Norvell headed into a very crucial, very critical year two with Mike Norvell and see how the various sports personalities around the FSU beat the FSU uh, globe, if you will, feel about the team. So I'll just start off with that big, broad question. How do you think high level Mike Norvell did in year one relative to your expectations? Ah, uh, that's such a, that's tough. That's such a tough question. It almost depends on what my expectations were. Like if my, my expectations on January, 2020, they got shifted once the pandemic started like April, 2020. And then even before the season started. So I'd say as far as on the field, I don't know how you could look at the product on the field, as far as just the end game, like the wins and losses. And it was below everybody's expectations. Now, the actual things that the coaching staff did from the schemes, the play calling, just the positions that they put these guys in, 
I think they, they met my expectations and the recruiting after the first year has exceeded my expectations, just kind of from what I knew about Mike Norvell uh, and recruiting off of a, off of a three win season. I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, enthusiastic about the momentum that they got, but on the field, no, I don't think anybody out there thought that was going to be a three win team with that roster. However, I think that the, the gaping holes on that team, specifically linebacker secondary and wide receiver, I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And then the lack of buy-in that could be achieved from like an, an all zoom off season. I think that the impact of that was, it was vastly understated because you almost had like a roster mutiny halfway through the season where guys aren't caring guys are opting out that, and that whole roster did need to get flipped, but yeah, it's, it's a very complex question. I mean, it got got a little more than just flipped. I mean, we, I was talking to Max earlier about this before we started recording that 23 kids transferred out. Uh, it was yeah. a, literally just a mass exodus. Like it was just, the best way to put it is just a straight up purge. I mean, one of them was James Blackman, and this goes to my, you know, my question that Jordan Travis just basically did come out of nowhere. That's the one kind of the few bright spots that we have for the season. Now it kind of feels like that he only started because Tate Rodmaker wasn't taking the job done. JB one wasn't taking the job done. Do you think that Norvell like was felt what felt forced to actually start Jordan Travis, or do you think he just waited till he got till he got healthy actually? No, he was forced. He was forced in that game against um, Jacksonville State. He was definitely forced to. And now, now, now all of that, you know, a lot of people want to talk about misevaluation by Norvell. And I think that's fair. There's, there's some part of Jordan Travis's game, whether it's in practice or that both coaching staffs have missed on the talent of this kid. Now, in Mike Norvell's defense, Jordan Travis was hurt coming into the year, so he didn't get the amount of reps. Mm-hmm. And once Mike Norvell was, I'd say forced because they were down double digits to Jacksonville State, and it really, it, it, we had nothing going. Now I will say that once Jordan Travis was the guy, Mike Norvell activated all the parts of his playbook that benefited a. I don't want to call Jordan Travis limited because he's such an exceptional athlete, but he is limited in some things that he could do from the passing game and with not having a lot of time in the playbook. But the way that he activated. And the way that they schemed to Jordan Travis's strengths, particularly in like the UNC game and all the other games following behind a, behind a team with some real holes was really impressive. But to answer your question, he was forced to play him in Jacksonville state, but I think he would have started him eventually. Yeah. I think there's, those are, to me, that is kind of, frankly, what makes me optimistic for Norvell and Dillingham is how quickly they flip the playbook around to work to Jordan Travis's skill set. In fact, we had Jordan Travis's high school coach on here. And he said that was that. Yeah. You should go back and listen to the episode. It's really Eric Kresser. He actually played with Randy Moss when they won the division one double a national championship at Marshall. Marshall. He was their starting quarterback. I love Um, it. He was apparently the one that that sort of invented the Jordan Travis play that we've now come to love the, like the bubble that just follows Travis 30, 40 yards down the field. Mm -hmm. Apparently that's like a thing from high school. And he, he had a good point on there. He was like, look, the thing with Jordan is he doesn't know how big he is. He runs like a crazy person. So like the coach has (laughs) to not give him like has to hold him back. And like, don't give, you know, if a coach says, Hey, just go get a first down. Like he's going to go run into a linebacker. And he's we saw tough that. dude. And that is, and I'm so happy with the progress that he made in the weight room this year, getting up above 200 pounds. Yep. Now, however they use them, 
who knows? I think he's got a legitimate shot to win the starting quarterback. I mean, McKenzie Milton's a front runner, but he's definitely got a shot and he's looked good in practice, but that added weight. Yeah. That kid is so tough. So tough to his detriment many times last season, but he was, he was our offense for multiple games and throughout the entire part of the season. And the thing about Mike Norvell's playbook is that a lot of people are wondering, you know, how, how did he pull all those plays in? Like, how did they flip on such a dime? It's because that, that was the stuff that was already, it was already in Norvell's playbook. Yeah. It's just the percentage of how much he used. It was different. So that's, that's a strength of Norvell, man. The guy, he can, his offense is very adaptable. It's very flexible and it's very dependent. You can see all the stuff he did at Memphis, whether he had, a quarterback like Brady White, whether he had like running backs like Daryl Henderson, he his offense is varied from year to year based on the personnel. Dude, hundred percent. You know, I think we talk about Travis being limited in the passing game, and like you know, you can always expect Jordan Travis. He's like a fifty-five percent passer, but I'm the yeah. huge Jordan Travis stand. Like I love the kid. Yeah. I think he's the future uh, in our group. And, you know, I always kind of make the point of like, what passer would look good behind that offensive line? Like, I don't know if you played quarterback. I didn't, but I know one of the most important parts is like getting your feet set. When did it, no one has time to set their feet behind that line. And um, so, you know, it just, I don't know. So I don't know if we've gotten a fair gauge of how good or bad of a passer he is. And, Cause I mean, he dropped some long bomb dimes, right? Like a couple of those throws were a plus. It's just, I don't know how you do it consistently when you're always running for your life. Whoosh. Folks, do you have something on your car? That's about as wrong as Trey Rollins' sense of humor, but like not in a fun way. Yeah, no, we all do. If that's going on with you, uh, like it was for me at many times in my life, um, you have a couple options. One, you can go to the dealership. We all know how that goes. Expensive parts, expensive labor. You can go to a, a non-affiliated mechanic, and that's still going to be pretty expensive. They might save you, give you a break on the parts, a little break on the labor, but it's, it's not going to be cheap. Or option three. You grab the user manual, you grab YouTube, you grab your set of tools, and you do it yourself. You save a lot of money on labor. Well, I hope you're not paying yourself. That'd be a weird system. But you also could save a ton of money on parts. The problem is it's tough to find the right part. Well, that's where we come in because I'm telling you guys the little secret sauce. Don't go to an auto parts store that may or may not have it in stock. Go to rockauto.com. They have a massive selection. Literally, it's so easy. You just go by your year, make, model, tell it what category of part it is, and boom, it's right there. Delivered to your door by a family-run business. Ridiculously low prices. Reliable, massive selection. rockauto.com. Which kind of brings me to a very important question in every fan's mind. Oh, Going into this next year, what feelings come out of – your just, I guess, take over your body when you hear the phrase Florida State's offensive line? Like, is it still like a few years ago where it makes you sick to your stomach and you just want to bomb? <laughs> are you feeling optimistic? Like, hey, they're, you know, these guys are now apparently all squatting small school buses. Like, where are you feeling about the line headed into this year? Yeah, man. Florida State's fan base, real squat happy of the past leagues. Like, Dude, just like analyzing squat party, squat Analyzing older teenagers, like thigh muscle composition. <laughs> it got really weird online there. For a lot a of middle aged dudes on Twitter that I know haven't touched a weight in 20 years. Like, this uh, form is like just impressive. Oh, oh calling God. kids Lock thick on the timeline, too. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> weird, man. Weird. Like, it's, Some weird verbiage gets used, too, to very like, describe much, teenage boys. So. <laughs> Um, 
so no, it's not like it was when like I hear the the phrase like Florida State like offensive line, and I think of like Jawan Williams like putting himself in a pretzel on like his national signing day, like licking the inside of his thigh. Like no, it's not that horrific. And there's actually some cause for optimism. Like you had a kid, a true freshman tackle, Robert Scott, get in, who, guy that really matured throughout the year. Mm-hmm. You got Darius Washington, a guy who a lot of people had penciled in as a starter. Last year, had a bad off season coming from an injury. That kid's put on some weight. He, he's got a really good body. It looks like a legitimate tackle. Devontae Love Taylor's coming back. You've actually got options on the interior of the line, whether it be Maury Smith, maybe like Dante Lucas, who's gone through the Mike Norvell like re-education camp. And it looks like... I was going to ask, did you see his statement on Twitter where he, uh, he, re- he tweeted out that picture of him at Miami with like his face, you know, in his pads? Yeah, like, yeah, he's famous, yeah. Yeah, and he basically was like, you know, you never know when the cameras are watching. No one's going to catch me looking like this. Like, it was like a really weird mea culpa. Like, it, it was almost like... It's yeah. progress, man. You gotta, the no, kids got to grow up a little bit, man. Yeah, like like that's the one thing that we had a problem with. I mean, you we, you even talked about it too. Like he's a bit tougher mentally. Right, and I think it was one of the – I think that kid – and, I, you know, just speculation here, but that kid had a realization where he was almost off the team. I think he was off the team, and he mm-hmm. realized, I need like I need football in my life. Football's a good influence. Like he he probably had flashes of what what his life could be without it. And that's, that's a sobering reality for a bunch of kids. So I'd say he's a kid that's had a tough go of it. A, a lot of these players on the team have had a tough go of it with just the upheaval and the tumult and then COVID. And then you're sequestered playing football in your dorm and all this. It, it sucks, bro. It's a lot of stress. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty lenient, but I do like, I do like what's coming from him. Even though it is like he's, it is expressed in a very Dante Lucas kind of like strange way. It's positive. So I do like that. And he's a very talented kid. You've got you've got up and coming young guys like Thomas Schrader, mm-hmm. um, Maurice Smith. If I haven't mentioned him, Babyon Johnson actually looked competent at guard, so that's interesting. And you've always got the swingman Brady Scott, maybe, and Rod Orr is a good prospect that's coming in. There's, I I don't feel great, but I don't feel bad. I feel just a sick, like nice, lukewarm. I mean, we've like been waiting for chicken that. Nugget. Yeah, we've been we've been waiting for that forever, though. Like I remember, we haven't had a decent offensive line since what 2014, and the only reason was Dalvin Cook hid how bad we were for three to four years. So it's nobody even knows how bad those teams were. Yeah, those teams would have been. We probably would not have made a bowl game if it wasn't for Dalvin Cook. Uh, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. And I really, Alex Atkins works so well with Mike Norvell and Dillingham. Yeah, on blocking, and that's one of the hallmarks of Mike Norvell's offense. When you really like get into it, like we do mm-hmm. on the triple option that YouTube show that I do, you can really see how exotic and effective some of those like run blocking schemes are, and how varied they are. Mm-hmm. And Alex Atkins has bought in with what, with like the the philosophies of Mike Norvell's system and has added to it. And uh, it's a really good, it's a very cohesive offensive coaching staff, man. So it's. There's still going to be, if you had to rank lines like one through 130, you're probably looking at like a top 50, top 60 offensive line. But that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty really good. good for us. I mean, <laughs> we it's, can it's, make it work. We can make that work. I always try to work in a lot of movie references when Trey's on the show. And that reminds me of one of my favorite movies growing up, you know, The Bad News Bears. Uh-huh. Billy Bob Thornton, you know, he comes over. Oh, like, the new one. Guys, yeah. I know a tie is a lot like kissing your sister. But with the way we've been playing, 
this one's kind of like kissing a really hot stepsister. See, and there you go. Like that little like You don't want to hear like, hey, we're going to be average, but like compared to what we've had, I will take, if we can have an average offensive line, I yeah. think the skill players we've brought in, we can have a pretty darn good offense. Listen, if our offensive line is as passable as like a late career middling Billy Bob Thornton movie, I'm fine. We're not exactly. at we're, we're not That's at like Sling Blade. Too. We're not at Sling Blade yet. Not quite bad Santa, but if it's as good as like the Rotten Tomatoes for Bad News Bears, I'll take it. Hey, Bad Santa was an all-time classic. That's a good flex. That's but, such you, a know, good you, you threw it in there a couple <laughs> times, right? Talking about some of these guys. You know, you've used the word buy-in several times, which is kind of the buzzword out there. Yeah. So you know, we've now we, we got a bunch of transfers that came in which we have coined, they're the immortals, right? Like, you know, oh, 300, fun. like they're the special squad, the expendables, they're coming yeah, in. Yep. They're like, we're going to be here for one year. We're going to clean this up. Let's do this. So <laughs> then you see like Dante Lucas posting that apology for having a bad attitude. And then you see, right. you know, the squat party and people going ballistic over, over weightlifting or how much of this do you, th- and we've seen this before, right? Where these culture things are all hat, no cattle. What are there any indicators to you that this is legit this time that like Mike Norvell really is changing the culture at the cellular level within the locker room? A, a couple ways you can tell that it's legit and it's legit. I say it's legit. It's legit to a point. There needs to be there needs to be proof of concept. There does need to be success. They can't just keep they can't get brained by like Miami by 50 points and curb stop by Clemson by 70 and embarrassed by whoa, whoa. Mike Norvell's never lost to Clemson. Just want to point yeah, he's out. undefeated because I don't know what you're talking undefeated. about with that. So. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. It's I I guess yeah. How dare I? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. There was plenty of blowouts. They all just run together, right? So there does need to be proof of concept, but there's a couple of factors where you can tell that it's different this year. The gains from the weightlifting program, the squat party, as we like to say, the squat fest. Squatomania 2021. There was legitimate, tangible energy in there. There, I didn't see where you know you could see an off season where you'd see a kid like Jalen Goss gain one pound, and it's like, okay, that kid doesn't like. He's still eating. He's still eating Impossible Whoppers. Like he doesn't give. <laughs> like he doesn't care. <laughs> this no, like there's, there, you know, the, in between all those like weight gain and weight loss articles, there's always a couple duds or stinkers or kids that are fat that got fatter, you know, 600 pound life, like doctor. Now, like you didn't, you ate too much food. Like, but this year you didn't see, you didn't see any of that. So there's tangible gains there. They did seem button on the weight room. It's different because a lot of the people that you would consider, I don't know, culture stagnation or people that might've been fighting against the new regime. They're not really, they're not there anymore. There's a whole bunch of people on NC state and FAU and Troy. And there's a whole bunch of people that aren't on the roster anymore. And the quotes have been positive, not only just the fact that they are positive, but they're positive with an acknowledgement to what actually happened last year. I really think that maybe we just got so caught up in the excitement of having football back that we really understated the impact on a buy-in results and strength and conditioning program from those guys doing it all virtually. Yeah. It didn't work. Mike Norvell did not have buy-in in 2020. That is a fact. And the frustrating part is it felt like he did in person, right? Like I think people sure. really do discount how much COVID cause I, I don't, I don't know how much, you, you know, your day job's remote, but mine is all remote now. And um, you know, work-wise you're like, all right, I'm getting paid. I can do it. But 
you know, there, there is that disconnect level, right? When you can't 100%. see and touch and feel things. Cause it's like, there was something to why Terry and Marv both stayed. Right. But then I think there was also something to why neither of them did a damn thing during the season. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, what the point. hell did I come back for? Right. So, and I think we see that with these transfers, like Mike Norvell can sell his vision to an older, more mature mind. And, you know, it, it just, it just didn't quite come together last year. And I'm hoping that now that they're in person, they're actually in the weight room with storms. Cause like maybe a squat party, who knows who's not going to get excited when you lift some weight, you know, weightlifting isn't football, but the reality is last year, they didn't sweat together. They were what coming on zoom and saying, yeah, coach, I did my squats. Yeah. Here's yeah, what I yeah, ate yeah. today. And, and there's gotta be like a, there's gotta be some quantifiable like amount of improvement tied to doing it together versus just like, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we're at camp. Oh, yeah, dude, I promise. I, I did the off-season program, Coach. And not even from a strength conditioning standpoint, too, a roster evaluation standpoint. Now, he actually knows what he's got yeah. and diagnosed those needs and address them in the off-season with these transfers, primarily on the defensive side of the ball because, duh, like barf. What a yeah, gross unit last year. <laughs> it was so garbage. But Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Well, so, that's what we so, call yeah. in the biz you know you may hear me kvetch about no college sports but that doesn't mean there isn't a ton of sports going on this weekend we got a lot we got mlb the nba the nhl both of those last two are headed for the playoffs and there's ufc there's mma but most importantly the kentucky derby the first leg of the triple crown is happening and if you don't like horse racing well no one really does, but it's fun to bet on. So if you need to bet on it, go to betonline.ag, use promo code Locked On, and when you put some money in for your first deposit, they'll actually give you 50% of that as a welcome bonus. Again, betonline.ag, use it now. Thank me later. No, my thing with the, I mean, with the transfers, like, I mean, it goes to Max's point. Uh, Max's point that basically the, uh, it's easier to sell kids when you know you're in person with that because you can tell that Norvell is, in my personal opinion, he's kind of a dork. Hundred percent, no doubt. Yeah, like no doubt. Yeah, like I think that's the one problem that he had with the uh, recruiting high school kids. Like it's kind of hard to tell, tell you know tell these kids like, hey, we're gonna you know we're gonna work really hard with this. We you know this is my vision with this. And to an eighteen year old, it's kind of like, nah, man, I just want to you know play football, you know talk to girls, you know go party out like that. But then you got the transfer kids like you know Mackenzie Milton, a Jermaine Johnson, a Jarquez McKellen. You know they they know what they want to fur and how to further get to their goal. Do you think that? Seeing this success with the transfer players, can he, is he able to translate that actually to the high school level? I think he has, and I think it's 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 happened quicker than a lot of people thought. You've got two five stars committed right now. Now early recruiting results mm -hmm. have to be on the field. However, you've got two five stars in the same class. One who's probably Jesus Christ, unbelievable athlete in Travis Hunter. That guy is not human. I don't know what alien DNA. He mixed with, I don't know if his mom's a Scientologist and he's part of an experiment. I'm glad, I'm glad Zenu lives through him and he's on our team because that kid is legit. He's the truth. Mm -hmm. Stan McCall, another five-star defensive back. Every single, every single player that they're recruiting right now, whether it's a, whether it's a Nigel at Kelly, Nico Marchio, Aaron Hester, uh, the receiver from Arkansas, Quincy McAdoo, those are all solid those are all solid kids. And I do think that I like the approach of Norvell's recruiting 
you can't out Bama, Bama, you can't out Georgia, Georgia. So their mm-hmm. mindset of the entire team recruiting a player, the way that the reports that we've heard from like the official visits were not, it's not just sunshine rainbows and like McDonald's bags full of like dirty Tennessee money. Like they'll sit down and they'll break down film with a player. Like, Hey, these are the things you do. Well, these are the things you don't do well. And here's what we're going to do. It's a very like refreshing approach. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- I think their approach on recruiting is unique. It obviously is going to work better in person, but I was kind of like you, Andres, where I was like, oh, maybe Norvell just, he connects better with an older, more experienced player. I just think it took time for the relationships to build. The relationships weren't there for 2021. You don't need the length of relationships with a transfer player that you do with a high school player because it's all about business. Mm-hmm. And once some of these, the length of these relationships have started to go, I kind of feel Florida State is maybe not ahead of the eight ball, but they're caught up with everybody else, man. They're throwing out 23 offers, 24, 25. Yep. We're scouting sixth graders like Bama style. And I just feel that I feel good about I feel good about the recruiting approach because it's produced results. We'll see. I feel pretty good about most of the recruits in the class, how solid they are. But it's it's produced results, so it's productive. And I like that it's organized and there's always there's no panic offers yet. Not a lot of yeah. panic offers. There's always yeah. a plan. Not only that, I also, you, you can, one thing I always say is that you can see the identity of the coach and like each of the kids that he picks to recruit to come play for him. And you can kind of see point. the entire mentality of all these kids. Like Travis Hunter, that kid's a dog. That kid's like a superhero. <sighs> Sam McCall is a sicko down South Florida. Nigel Kelly, in my personal opinion, is going to be the, the second best kid we get in this class. I guarantee you he's going to be a five-star band. There's everything going on. And you can always see they bring this lunch pail workman attitude and Norvell is the same way. And they have a, not only a love for the game, but like an affinity for it to even get better each and every single day, like climb one one percent better. That's a good point. And like you said, he's Norvell is unquestionable. I'm sorry, coach. I know you listen a bit dorkish, but he's like football dork, like a Lincoln Riley, like kind of dork, like where, he can be authoritative when he needs to. I've seen him. He gets he gets the Joel Austin. He gets a little. He gets like the the preacher fire underneath the void. The South Irving, Texas, comes out a little bit, and he is personal and he's good with the booster stuff. So I see. So FSU seems to be invested behind the scenes, which is important. And uh, no, I, I I don't think the dorkishness that we reference is is hurting him, man. I think he's he seems to be a, like an actual good recruiter. And that was the biggest question mark. I had him when he was hired. So I'm, I'm not too worried about it anymore. And I just got to, just got to win on the field. Yeah. And I think I, I kind of have maybe a little bit of a different perspective with, you know, the, on the field stuff this year, I think people are putting a ton of stake into what we do on the field this year as you know, recruiting will be a function of that because we just kind of got burned with the Luke Altmyer situation and things like that. But right. to me, and, and I want y'all's opinion on this, I feel like we just need to see progress, not perfection. Like, I think these guys are getting expectations set for them, right? Like, I don't think Mike Norvell is the kind of recruiter that's in there telling Sam McCall and Travis Hunter, oh, we're going to win 10 games next year. No, I think God, he's going to tell them, not. look, we're going to get, yeah, right, right. <laughs> they're, we're, you know, like they're a, like an NCAA so 14 where you can like promise the recruits things, you know, you're like, yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. going to win a championship. No, so I, I do think these kids, even though they're early commits, I think they have, realistic expectations being set for them and as long as we don't lay a complete egg out there um i I think we're going to be able to hold on to them and the other cool thing about this class is like you mentioned that 
that peer-to-peer recruiting. Because in today's age with, I mean, the seven-on-seven network being what it is now with the camps and with social media being so critical, that's the future of recruiting, in my opinion. Like you have to get some of these bell cows in your class that are willing to go reach out to other kids. And, um, you know, I, I hope we hang on to them, but we seem to have one of those in Travis Hunter. I mean, he's, he's like an Amari Gaynor was, except he's a probably the best athlete in the country doing it, which carries a little more weight. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. And you could, like, you've seen Travis Hunter is just, I mean, when a kid's that good, Florida state fans, we've been so battered and beaten over the past. We're just waiting for the hammer to drop where like, he just flies in the copter with Saban and leaves our recruiting class, (laughs) but he's solid. He's a great, he's a great, he's a great recruit. I mean, Nico Marchial was playing, uh, he was playing seven on seven with targets, Caden Saunders, Kevin Coleman, the wide receivers, Mm -hmm. um, Nigel at Kelly, we just got uh, his um, his teammate committed to us, Devon Mortimer, the slot kid, the really, really good special teamer. So, yeah, there, there seems to be a nice bond in the class, and there's legitimate momentum and excitement about Florida State right now on the recruiting trail, and a lot of it's from the results, but a lot of it's from the kids in the class generating it. And just to go more on Max's point, yeah, I agree with you, man. I don't expect an 8-9 win season. Schedule's too tough. And we're not mm-hmm. going to improve that much. I think, se- like, I expect probably a six-win season, seven-win season. I think if you win seven, you can still get a top ten recruiting class. Now, mm-hmm. anything above that, maybe you can take advantage of some of the um, some of the upheaval, at, like Notre Dame losing like an Ian Book, catching them in week one. Miami, Derek King might still be hurt. Dan Mullen could be coaching for like the New York Jets. Like, there's. The schedule is tough. It's brutal. It's a grinder. Not so much at the beginning. It's very backloaded. But if you could get, if you could start four and two, five and one, I mean, just long enough to get some, keep Florida State in the national conversation for the first half of the season, I feel good. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a 10 win season to be a top 10 recruiting class. So I agree with you, Max. Hey, y'all. Drake here. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Please tune in tomorrow for part two of our interview with the one, the only, Trey Rowland. Tomorrow, Trey Rowland is going to give his gold stamp, gold star approval to a few coaches on the staff that have met and exceeded expectations. And then he also will point out a few that are lagging behind and need to pick up the pace or else they might not be here much longer. Next, we'll discuss Trey Rowland's personal opinion on Coach Mike Norvell and whether or not he's the right man for the job or is he simply the guy, the bridge to the guy that will lead us back to national title contention. And lastly, we're going to wrap things up with a little blast from the past for you Rollcast listeners out there, you Rollcast faithful, I am one of them included, and that's a little Q&A, we'll get a little personal Q&A with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Trey Rowland. And with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, thank you all so much for the love and support, and please, if you can, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow, share, either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. For Trey, for Max, I'm Drake, take care everybody. And we'll see you next time on Locked on Seminoles.